Well, welcome everyone to the Alpha Weekend. It is wonderful to have you all here. Those of you watching live stream, I know about 14, 15 of you have been watching live stream. We're actually here live tonight. They got out of prison just in time to be here for Alpha, and we are grateful to have you Teen Challenge guys here tonight. Grateful to, to have you here and to have all of you here. Um, tonight, uh, I'm excited uh, that we're going to have Pastor Peter Davidson share with us. He'll be kind of emceeing the teaching of the, uh, tonight and tomorrow. Um, tomorrow morning starts at 8.30. Like I said, we're going to have an amazing breakfast tomorrow morning at 8.30. We'll start with that. Now, when we start with breakfast at 8.30 tomorrow, I want to also, there's a little bit of a homework assignment for us tonight. And I, it's, it's a, it's, to me, it's one of the highlights of the whole Alpha course. And if you've been a part of the Alpha Weekend before, uh, you, I know that you'll agree with me. It's a teaching from Luke chapter 15. And there's a, that, you're going to get that, Annette's holding up that yellow card right now. If, you'll, if, you, if you have your Alpha manual for the weekend, turn to page 9 real quickly before uh, Pastor Ronald shares. I'll introduce Ronald to you in just a moment. So you'll see here, gleanings from Luke 15, okay, just... The, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells the story of, we've heard this, the, word, the prodigal son. And we've heard the word prodigal used all, all, for years. And typically when you think of the word prodigal, at least it's typically when I thought of the word prodigal, maybe you have a better expansive uh, dictionary in your head. Uh, I think a prodigal is something that's bad. Well, prodigal could be bad, but prodigal could be good. So, the, the, but the word prodigal simply means excessive, excessive. So what you're going to see in this story are three excessive characters. You're going to have a younger son, excessive. You're going to have an older son in different ways, excessive. And then you're going to have a father, excessive. So what we're going to do tonight, when you go home, don't do this while Pastor Peter, Peter is preaching, or he will throw something at you. He's a violent man. Um, uh, there are four questions. So this is what I encourage you to do. Read through Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And then I would encourage you to do this. Just pray. God, give me insight here. And read through it again. And then look at the questions. And read through it as often as you have can. I guarantee you, you will go experience the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, giving you revelations, things you'll see about yourselves, things you'll see about God, things you'll see about others, but don't worry about that. Just look at the things that you see about yourself. So that will be the first thing we'll do tomorrow morning. So we'll get here, we'll have breakfast, we'll sit down, we'll begin to eat, and then at your tables, we will discuss some of these questions. So that'll be the first thing that we do tomorrow and want you uh, to enjoy that rich feeding that we will get, not just from the breakfast that Pete Shefferstein and his team provide us, but from this great teaching. I want to introduce to you uh, tonight Ronald Laitano. Ronald is one of the pastors here at Lakeview Christian Center, one of the worship leaders. Ronald is the utility guy. Uh, he, you needed somebody to do it, something, that's Ronald. And he is going to lead us. Typically in Alpha, we start singing like a song at the end of every meeting, but I don't shut up enough in enough time for something like that to happen. So Ronald, <laughs> Ronald is going to lead us in, in a, a, a song or two. And uh, that may be awkward for some of you. 
I don't know if it will be or not. Um, men typically enjoy singing uh, when they're drunk in a bar. But um, ladies, I can't, I can't speak for, for you on that. But, um, but even if you're not comfortable singing or you don't know the words, let me encourage you to do this. Listen to the words. Okay? Don't get so caught up in the, am I singing this right or wrong? Just listen to the words. And let God, by his Holy Spirit, minister to you. And then Pastor Peter Davidson will come up in just a minute. Pastor's been on staff here for, I gosh, 20, Gene, 28 years? Is it more than 28? Is it 30? 30 30-something years. Longer than many of you people have been alive. And uh, not me, but... uh, And we will enjoy the teaching of a very gifted, wonderful pastor that has served this church for many years. Uh, So let's do this. Um, Let's pray. And I will give it to Pastor Ronald to lead us. Um, And we'll go from there. Lord, thank you for drawing us here tonight. Lord, as we have been discussing over the weeks and particularly last week, thank you. That you came hunting for us. Thank you that you have initiated us having a revelation of you. Thank you that you've saved us from so many difficult, even death-defying situations. You've been the reason we're still alive. You've been the reason that we're even pursuing or seeking you. And Lord, we pray that tonight you would meet us powerfully intimately, that we'd hear you in ways maybe we'd never heard from you before. And we pray you would do that tomorrow as well. So Lord, we just come tonight and maybe what is an awkward setting for many of us. And we just say, Lord, here we are. I'm opening my heart to you. I'm opening my life to you. God, would you just meet with us here, meet with me here and speak your marvelous love to us, each and every one of us. And we trust you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ronald. Let me emphasize, let me go ahead and invite you to sing with me. Uh, Not performing for you. We're doing something that the Bible models so well for us. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he gathered his disciples in the upper room and they did something you've already done. They had a meal. The Bible then says they sang a song together. So let's sing together. If you don't know the songs, learn them, watch the lyrics, but join us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life That I would be set free Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me Who breaks the power? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. 
shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves his breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. That you came along and put me back together, and every desire is now satisfied. Here in your love, 
Peter, would you lead us now?
don't be afraid on that. Frank is going to look this bad, too, when he's my age. Is this far enough back? Well, good evening, everyone. So glad to have you here tonight. Thank you could be joining us, and we're expecting that the Holy Spirit will move in a wonderful way, as he already has been doing for Alpha. How many of you have been touched by God during Alpha? You've actually felt God during Alpha. Anyone? Many of you. Because what's happening on the inside as we are listening to the Word of God, those feelings, those emotions that are going on on the inside of us, that's God stirring the pot, as it were. And so I want us to at least immediately, as we begin tonight, to recognize the work of God in us. My name is Peter Davidson. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been on the pastoral staff here at Lakeview since 1990. I've been married to my wonderful and lovely wife, Jean. Where, what, when did we get married? What year was that? <clears throat> 1968, April 68. So we've been married for 53 years. The most lovely girl in all the world, as far as I'm concerned, she really is. We have one wonderful daughter and four, I call them monsters, my grandchildren, monsters. Tonight, what we're going to be doing is begin tonight and continue tomorrow talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this evening, we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does in bringing about the most important event in our lives. Now, if I were to ask you, what's the most important thing happening in your life? Politics, relationships, money, work, your neighbors, your spouse. I think we come up with a whole lot of answers. But there's one thing that trumps every single thing that we consider to be important. One thing only is important in our life. And tonight, we want to talk about that. There's just one thing. Everything else that is important is important to a secondary level. But we're going to talk about that which is primary importance in us. And what is that? The day that the Holy Spirit birthed us or caused us to be born again into the kingdom of God. That's the most important day. What was the most important day in your life physically? Patty, what was the most important day physically for you? The day you were born. I mean, had you not been born, you wouldn't be sitting here. Had you not been born, anything and everything else about your life doesn't matter because you wouldn't have a life. And so being born again is in that category of the spirit. We were born to be born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And so as you were physically born, that's the most important day in your life. The most important day in our spiritual life and really in our physical life is being born again. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit that we want to talk about tonight. Jesus used this term born again. Perhaps some of you have used it. Some of you have heard it. Frank has talked about it at Alpha. You probably remember some of that. 
And Jesus himself is the first one really to use the phrase born again. Listen to what he says in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. In verse 3, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot say, see the kingdom of God. Now, why does he use the word truly, truly? What does that mean? Something of extreme importance. Now, I used to teach English in high school. And you know how captivating studying poems are, is. Right, Bertus? I mean, how incredibly exhilarating learning about a dangling participle or misplaced modifier. Are you with me tonight on this? I mean, this is something we really want to get into. Show me how to diagram a sentence, right? I can tell you were interested. <laughs> and so it was kind of one of those things that, you know, you're taking notes. And you kind of have your mind on the notes, but really what the teacher is saying is like, oh, can't wait till this gets going. We get to recess. And so what does the teacher do to create a significance about what is being taught? Well, he uses those two words that capture your attention and cause you to put all of your efforts in listening to what is being said. What is that? BJ, what we're studying today is going to be on the final exam. Oh, final exam. And I've had this to happen. Oh, Mr. Davidson, could you go back over? Could you repeat this? Because what's going on? What's so significant about the final exam? It determines whether or not you what, Val? You graduate. Yeah, but what is the result of final exam? You're getting out of high school. You're getting out of high school. And so once the teacher says, this is going to be on the final exam, it changes everything for you, correct? I mean, the teacher could say, study this, do that, read that. Nah, uh, but final exam. Because the word final exam has to do with your future. Are you with me? When Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, what he is saying here is this. What I am telling you is going to be on God's final exam. In fact, it is the final exam. There is one thing that is going to determine, just one thing. That is going to determine one thing that is going to determine whether we graduate into heaven, whether we graduate, whether we graduate into God's family. Oh, I've studied a lot. I've tried to do the best I can. I've gone to the best schools. I go to this church. I go to that church. 
I give money, I, whatever it is. But there's one thing that determines where you and I will spend eternity. Have we passed God's final exam? Have we been born again? So listen to what Jesus says again in chapter 3, verse 3 of John. He says, this is on the final exam. Listen to me carefully. I say to you, unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then in verse 7, he repeats himself. He says, you must be born again. Now, what does it mean when God himself on earth says you must be born again? Does it mean that there is another way of going into heaven? Is there another way? Or is this the only way? You must be born again. And so this is God's only requirement for us to know him. For us to experience his presence. For us to be forgiven. For us to become his children. And for us to be spending eternity in the family of God as one of the children of God. This is the only requirement. Nothing else. You have to be born again. So what Jesus is saying is that being born again is not only on God's final exam. Being born again is literally the final exam. So, we should probably by now be wondering, how can I be born again? Am I sure I'm going to heaven? Am I sure I'm one of God's children? That question should be the most important question each one of us faces. The most significant question. When I leave this earth physically, where will I be? Because you see, the day... The significance of this day is about that day. Have you been born again? That's the most significant question for you to ask yourself tonight. Now, as I share tonight, I want us to listen two ways. Obviously, you listen with your physical ears. But also... As important, listen with your heart. Listen to what your feelings, your emotions are telling you. Listen to what's going on on the inside of you as we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing us into heaven. So listen with the ears. Listen with the heart. Because what's going to happen is that God, if you're here tonight and you haven't been born again, first of all, he's going to show you you're in deep, 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 deep trouble. And then secondly, he's going to show you how to be born again. That's the most important thing. So listen with your ears and listen with your heart. And let's see what God does in our midst tonight. Be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you.
as you're listening to the words of this old man. So how does the Holy Spirit cause us to be born again? That's an interesting phrase. Why does Jesus use the word born again? There's a whole lot of stuff he could have said. And he does use other phrases to other people under certain circumstances. He does do that. But why born again? Well, here's a trick question. How many of you had anything to do with being physically born? Mike, did you have anything to do? Was it your will that birthed you into this world? Is there anyone in here that it is what you wanted to do and what you determined to do that brought you into the world? Really? Huh. No. So we were the object. We were the result of what someone else did. We were the object. We were the result of somebody else's decision. And each one of us here tonight are here because someone else made a decision which brought us into the world. Is this clear to you? For those of you who are not clear about this, Frank will be able to help you after class. (laughs) But that's significant. It's extremely significant because Jesus uses this term very specifically to say that being born again is absolutely and completely the work of God our Father. As a result of the atoning death and resurrection of our Savior being applied to us and working in us by His Holy Spirit. So, why are you here physically? You're here based on another's decision. Being born again is the activity of God deciding who will be his children. That's the first thing of significance, I believe. So Jesus is telling us again that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And how does he do it? He uses the message of the gospel. The gospel is the good news about God, about his love about his provision, about his work in saving a people who were undeserving to be saved. And so the Holy Spirit does this work of birthing us into the kingdom. And I'm going to use three words that the Lord gave me several years ago. The Holy Spirit warns us. The Holy Spirit woos us. And the Holy Spirit wins us. So let's talk about warning. Typically, we'd rather say, you know, well, let's start the message of the gospel this way. Jeff, Jesus loves you. Well, that's okay, but that's not going to really hit the point of the message of the gospel. And so we begin the message the same way, for instance, the Apostle Paul begins it in Romans. He begins with warning. So the Holy Spirit warns us. He begins by warning us of the great danger we are in before God. You have children. You live on a busy street or you live wherever. And you have a son or a daughter who has the propensity to be running out into the street. Now, 
what is one of the things that you would do to hopefully prevent your children to run out into the street? What would you do? You'd say what? Don't run in the street. Why? Because you're going to wind up being a hood ornament on the next truck coming by. Don't do that. Why? And she tells you, he tells you why. There's danger. And so the first thing we need to know about our lives is that each one of us were born under the sentence of mortal danger. Mortal danger. In fact, when we were born, there is no way except by the Holy Spirit that we can escape this danger. No way. Each one of us, if you would, are on a road that will end in complete disaster. And we have to know that. So you go to the doctor. And you sit there in the doctor and, you know, he's giving you an examination. And after the examination, he tells you, look, I have a medication here that's going to cost $5,000. $5,000. And I want you to buy the medication and take it once a week. I'm trying to get close enough so I can see your name. Hunter. That's right. You've already entered. Would you spend $5,000 on that medication? Probably. You mean you might? Anybody have some medication around here? <laughs> you wouldn't spend $5,000. So what would you ask the doctor? $5,000. What would you ask him? Keith, what would you say? What's, so in, what's going on in me that I need to spend $5,000? Nurse, Linda, you're a nurse, right? Why do I need to spend $5,000? What is so significant in my body that I have to spend $5,000? If you don't have the warning, you're not going to go for the medicine. And so what's the warning? The warning. The doctor tells you, you have a peculiar disease. The remedy of which is very, very narrow. You must take this medication. You must take this one pill. In order to live. Because if you don't. You're going to die. All of a sudden what? Hunter the price of $5,000 begins to be what? Well worth it cheap. So you see why the gospel. Must begin. God must begin or he does begin with a warning in us. Why should I accept Jesus? Why, why should I believe? Well, he's going to, you know, you're going to have a better life now and whatever. But that's fine. But that's not the real reason, is it? The real reason is we are all under a death sentence when we were born into this world. And the only way to have that death sentence passed over and we receive life is that we take it, if you would, the pill that God wants to give us called the gospel. And so the Holy Spirit begins with a warning. Now, what is the danger of dying without being born again? What's the danger in it? The danger 
is that we stand before a holy God. And he does not allow us to come into his presence. But he places us under the condemnation of his judgment. And this is what Romans 1.18 says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness of men. The danger of our sin is the wrath of God. That's the danger. Every one of us will absolutely face the wrath of God. You say, well, I'm going I'm to take my chance. There ain't no chance. You're going to lose. It's guaranteed. So being born again is the only way to escape or come out from under this death sentence. And it's not only a sentence in physical death. It's not only a sentence away from the presence of God, but is a sentence into the wrath of God. First Corinthians 6, 9 says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen to this statement by Jesus. And think about yourself. Think about your own life right now. Jesus says, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How many of you think you're pretty perfect? How many of us would say, I am as perfect as God himself is perfect? I am as perfect as God. But you see, Jesus says you have to be perfect to go into heaven. You have to be righteous to enter God's heaven. Well, I'm pretty good. Is that enough? I've lived all my life and I've made just one sin. Are you perfect? So can you go into heaven if you've lived your whole life without any sin and you commit one sin. Can you go into heaven? Yes or no? No. Because the bar, if you would, is perfection. Perfection. So why does the Holy Spirit do this? Why do you warn your children? Anyone. Why do we warn our children about danger? Why? Somebody said, yeah, say it loud. Love them. Why does God begin with a warning? Because he loves his children. And he uses the warning to get his children's attention. So they will begin to listen to the message of how to be delivered from the wrath of God. Frank has been sharing this at Alpha. There's a message here. God has sent his own son into the world to die the worst kind of physical death and to endure the worst kind of spiritual death, being separated from God the Father at the cross. Why does God do this? Because he loves us. And because he wants us to be his children and that message of the gospel, the Holy Spirit uses to begin to warn us of the danger and to show us the way out of the danger, a way we can escape the danger. So like any loving parent, what does the Holy Spirit do? He begins to warn us. He begins to warn us.
And we begin to hear, only the righteous can inherit eternal life. Now, you know, in today's world, that ain't fair. Only the perfect can be in heaven. So what is the answer? Is it possible, no matter what you do, how often you do it, how sincere you are, is it possible for any of us to enter heaven by what we do? You must be perfect. Perfect. Because you see, God is taking away all the self-works foundation from us, removing it all so we finally have only one place to look for our hope of eternal life, and that is to the cross of Jesus. No other place can we look for eternal life. So now, you've heard this. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now that you've heard the warning, hopefully, God has our attention. Oh, wait, I didn't think it was that way. I mean, you know, I thought, you know, if I, if I go to church enough, if I'm confirmed, if I join, if I give my money, if I try to do the best I can, if I try to keep all the Ten Commandments and get most of them right, I thought that was the way in. No. The way into the kingdom of heaven is being born again. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to how, what I'm going to say. Being born again is the work of the Holy Spirit. To exchange our imperfection for God's perfection. To exchange or change our unrighteousness with God's own righteousness. And so we've heard the warning. Now hopefully we're ready to be wooed by the message of the love of God in the gospel. So we should be asking this. Now, you know, I've heard what is being said that I must be righteous in order to inherit God's kingdom. How do I become righteous? How does, how does that happen? What is the first thing that crosses your mind? What must, come on, somebody said, you know what's on your mind. What must what? I what? What must I do to what? Become righteous. What must I do to be perfect? Do, do you hear it in yourself? If the only way to get into heaven is to be perfect, what's your natural question next? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? And the whole evening has been a message of you can't. You just cannot do anything to cause yourself to be born. Even if beginning today, <clears throat> let's say beginning tonight, there is a way that you could turn over a leaf. Maybe it's an actual big oak tree on this sense. And tonight, in some mysterious way, tonight you could begin to live absolutely perfectly. Have you met the criteria? 
Because before you started living perfectly, you lived how? Imperfectly. Therefore, you're still imperfect. Do you understand this? So we have to be born again. You see, this shows us why the work of the Holy Spirit is his work of causing us to be birthed into the kingdom of God. Because there is absolutely nothing I can do to make myself perfect. And when God says perfect, he means perfect from the moment that you were conceived all the way to the moment you leave this earth. Every aspect of our life, every thought, every word, every deed, everything about my life must be absolutely perfect. Now, this is wonderful news. Because it's the only way, once you recognize this, that you are now going to be listening to the remedy. Start tonight to be perfect. And you stand before the Lord and say, look, I lived 52 years being perfect. The Lord says, how old were you when you became perfect? Well, I was like 25 years old. What about those days? Uh, well, mm, I didn't think you counted. Mm. Doesn't God grade on the curve? One of the questions I used to generally get, you know, after exams and so on. Mr. Davidson, is this a curve? You remember that. God doesn't grade on the curve. You either are born again or you're not born again. God's answer. How can I become righteous? How can I become perfect? What is the answer? You must be born again. You must be born again. You see, we are born again when the Holy Spirit replaces our natural unrighteousness, our natural imperfection with the righteousness of God himself, with the very perfection of God himself. And this is where, this is where many people go off the track with Christianity. They think in some way, okay, you are going to be part of the kingdom of God. You're born again. But now that you're in the kingdom of God, we're going to see how well you do. And if you're able to do well all the way, what? To the end, then you're coming in. You can no more do it getting into the kingdom of God than you can on your own remain perfect and remain righteous. You can't do it. How many of you who are sitting here tonight... You have been born again, and you have actually been able never to sin again. Raise your hand. Then the problem is you are imperfect. You see, God doesn't bring in his, us into a classroom, and now that we have your attention in the classroom, now you better start being perfect. Matt, you just better get your act together. Never, never make a mistake. Never do anything wrong. That's not the way it works. Because, B.J., if it worked like that, I, I was saved in April of 64. I was 21 years old in 64, if you're trying to figure it out. Old, that's all. 
And I say this with all the truth that I know how to say anything. I would not have remained in the kingdom of God probably an hour had it had anything to do whatsoever with my level of obedience. I am saved by the work of the Holy Spirit to birth me into the kingdom of God and the power of God who saved me, bringing me into his kingdom, is the very same power that sustains and keeps me and keeps me having faith in Christ. When we're born again, God takes this man who is filled with pig poop. You know what pig poop is? You're going to find out about pig poop tomorrow when you read Luke 15 about the prodigal son. He's filled with pig poop. He's been living with the pigs. In the same room you couldn't stand. Whew, he stinks, man. He is filthy. That's a little bit, little bit of an understanding of how our sin is to God. Nasty, filthy, revolting. But being born again is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Inside of me. Exchanging or cleansing or washing the pig poop away. Washing the defilement and the pollution and the penalty of my sin away because of the blood of Jesus. Washing it away. And then, as you'll see in this story in Luke 15, the father gives me the robe of his own righteousness. He's made me pure as Jesus is. And he's given me the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. And now being born again means this, that God now sees us in Christ with the same perfection and the same righteousness that he sees his own son. And as a result of that, he brings us into the kingdom. So listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. I think it's in your notes. For our sake, God made Christ to become sin. He bore sin. He who knew no sin. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. At the cross. At the cross. Jesus paid. Do you have notes here? Is this statement in your notes? At the cross, Jesus paid. Is that in your notes? Yes or no? No? Well, then write this down. At the cross, Jesus paid. And I'm going to use three words I want you to know and I want you to keep in your mind and remember these three. At the cross, Jesus paid. You ready? The full, F-U-L-L, comma, final, and forever penalty. For all of the sin of all his people. Did you get that? At the cross, Jesus paid what? The full, final penalty. 
of all the sin of all of his people. Did I say it about the same way? This is what it means. When I am born again, God takes the ledger of my life. Do you know when the ledger of your life begins? Not what they say in the world, you begin to have life once you're born physically. That gives them the reason you can abort children, you see. Don't believe it. When does life physically begin in us? Say it again. At the moment of conception. Correct? At the moment of conception, life begins in you physically. Correct? It doesn't begin when you're born physically. If you didn't, if you get it when you're born So from the moment you're conceived, how much sin are we talking about? The sin of the natural fleshly self. The sin that begins at conception. And it runs all the way over here until you are whatever age and you die. Every sin is washed away as to its penalty. The pollution of all of that sin is cleansed. When Colossians 1.13 says, having forgiven us all sin, what does the Holy Spirit mean? How much is all sin? From the moment you're conceived to the moment you die. You see, God, who knows absolutely everything about us, Jesus pays for everything that God knows about us. And how much is that? Everything. Is there any sin whatsoever at any time that is left out of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ having paid for it at the cross? Is there any sin at all? If it is, then Jesus, when he said in John 19.30, it is paid for. It is finished. It means that he made a big boo-boo because he left one sin out, even in one of his children. You see, this is radical. Why? Because we cannot be perfect. We cannot be righteous and even have one sin remaining in us. We can't be put into the very righteous and holy and pure Son of God. We can't be put into Christ and Him living in us by the Spirit and have any sin at all not having been paid for. It cannot and it will never happen. Are you beginning to see the extent of the forgiveness of God? 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from how many? All. How many sins are included in all? Every sin. How many sins are excluded? None. Do we see that? You see, the issue of perfection, the issue of purity, the issue of righteousness 
is taken care of in the death of Jesus and then applied to us by the Holy Spirit when we're born again. God takes care of all the necessary evil and does what he needs to do in order to bring us into his kingdom. If he leaves out even one molecule, we cannot go in because then we would not be perfect. We would not be perfect. What is the result? Romans 8.1. You remember what Romans 8.1 says? There is therefore... Do you have it in your notes? What does it say? There is therefore... What word? There is therefore what? When? Now. Right now. Right now. When you're born again, no condemnation beginning when? Not when we go to heaven, but when? Right now. No condemnation. What does that mean? There's no judgment unto wrath. Why? Because Jesus has taken the total judgment and condemnation that each one of us so richly deserved upon himself. And God placed the penalty of death upon his own son because Jesus bore all of our sin and the penalty of sin. Remember, the wages of sin is what? Death. And Jesus died. And when Jesus died, Paul says he condemned or put away the condemnation that is due to sin by dying in the flesh. He put it all away. Not just most of it. He put all of it away. So as a result, we can be born into his kingdom. Why? Why does God do this? Why does God do it? Remember John three sixteen and 17? For God, what? So loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not what? Perish, but shall have eternal life. For God does not, did not what? Send his son into the world to condemn the world, to put you under judgment. But he sent his son into the world that we might be what? Saved. And saved from what? Saved from the wrath and condemnation of God. That's why Jesus came. That's the love of God. You know, in Ezekiel 36, the Holy Spirit describes the activity of what happens to us when we're born again. Now, look at these verses very, very carefully as I read them. If you have them in your notes, go along with me. And I want you to underline the words, I will. God is showing us this is what the Holy Spirit does to birth us into the kingdom. This is what he says, I do by my spirit. <clears throat> I will sprinkle you with clean water, clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. Now, where is the emphasis there? Who's doing what to whom? God is doing the work on the inside of us. Does it say anything that I am doing at that moment? 
Yes or no? No. This is the activity of the Holy Spirit as he brings us or causes us to be born into the kingdom of God. This is a description. In fact, this is the, these are the verses that Jesus is referring to in John chapter 3 when he's telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. He says, you have to be born again. Nicodemus says, how can I do that? How can I? And Jesus said, are you the teacher of the Jews and you don't understand these things? This is the reference. Because it's explained then in chapter 37 in verses 1 to 10. Remember the dry bones. Can these bones live again? Verse 2, 26. And I will give you a new heart. Who? Who's giving what to whom? God is giving us a new heart. We are receiving a gift from God for which we did not ask. He doesn't say, if you ask me, I will give you a new heart. Do you see that? Do you, do you see that? He says, I'm going to give you a new heart. Because you see, you did not ask to be born into this world. And in the same way, God is not calling you to first ask, and I'm going to do it. He said, this is what I'm going to do. Now, once that begins to happen, and once God generates that heart, then we begin to ask him. But the asking is secondary to the giving. He says this, and I will give you a new heart and put a new what? Spirit in you, I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone. That's the sinful heart, the old nature, the unrighteousness, the impurity. I will remove it from your flesh and I'll give you a new heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you. I will give you the ability. I will give you the power. I will give you the desire. I will be the engine in your life to cause you to begin to walk in my statutes and obey my commandments or my laws. I'm going to do that. This is my work, the Holy Spirit says. This is what I'm going to do. So, what is your heart telling you? What is your heart telling you? Is it significant to be born again? By now, hopefully, the Holy Spirit has warned us and has wooed us with his love. God has shown us we're in the worst danger. But God has done the single greatest work To protect us and deliver us from that danger. Why? Because he loves us. There is no love like this. The Holy Spirit warns. The Holy Spirit woos. And then the Holy Spirit wins us. There's an older couple in the church years ago. Bo and Evelyn Mormon. And Bo was at auction dying. And Evelyn was in the room and I went in to visit. And she and I began to chit-chat. And I asked her, you know, Evelyn, what's the background for you and Bo being married? They were married 60-some-odd years. What's the background? What happened? And she looked up with a twinkle in her eye, smile on her face, kind of a chuckle. I said, well, let me tell you what happened. She said, I knew Bo, but I didn't like him. You know, I knew him, but, you know, 
I didn't like him, you know. But she said, I began to be around Bo because he had a car. And I wanted to go places. And Bo was really wanting her to like him, so he was more than happy to say, yes, let's go places. So she said, I went with Bo in the beginning because he had a car. Ah, but you see, she said, as time went on, Bo began to say things to me that were really nice. Bo began to give me little presents. He began to treat me like a woman. And as he began to woo her with his love, guess what happened? He won her affections. He won her affections. His eye was upon Evelyn. And as a result, he wanted Evelyn. He, oh, he liked Evelyn. It wasn't the other way around, you see. And he began to do what is necessary. He began to strategize, whatever, to do those things which began to win his affections. And so one day, he asked the big question, what? What can I do to get you to love me? Is that the big question? Hmm? Any of you ladies? Mm, I don't think so. Would you come do my dishes? What's the question he asked her? Will you marry me? Now, when he asked that, what answer was he hoping for? Just one word answer. What? Yes or no? Yes. But let's say this has happened. She asked, Bo asked her, would you marry me? Do some of you ladies remember when your man asked you that question? Yes is the only acceptable answer. If you don't say yes, do you get married unless you have a shotgun? So you don't become married. So Evelyn will say, she didn't, but let's say she said this. Well, Bo, I've been living next door to you all my life. I've known you all my life. How can you ask me that? Is that what she, he's waiting for? Bo, I'll come over here and I'll fix dinner for you every night. Is that the answer he's looking for? You see, Bo didn't want her things that were secondary. Bo wanted her so that when he had her, he had her heart. So that his heart and her heart, if you would, could beat together. So what is the only statement that caused them to be officially married? Will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded husband, wife? And what does she have to say to be married? Yes. Well, I do. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. And what does I do 
happen. What happens when that happens? The minister pronounces them what? The two become one. He pronounces them husband and wife. She leaves her life of singleness. And she joins him. She comes into his life, if you would. Comes under his relationship. Is covered with his love. Is given his name, Mormon. And she leaves all that was of the old life. Why? Because she has found a man who loves her. And because of that, she is more than willing to depart from anything that was in any way in the way of or contrary to or detrimental to this man's love. Do you see that? That's what happened. The Spirit of God brings to us the very loving goodness of God our Father. As is demonstrated in the death of his son to pay for all of our sin. So that all the obstacle that was in the way of bringing us into heaven and making us his children would be removed. So that God could say in the Holy Spirit, all the work necessary to preparation was made at the cross. The resurrection now seals it. Jesus is alive. Holy Spirit, go to my children and show them their danger, but then show them the extent of my love. Change their hearts from resisting and not wanting to a heart that says, yes, I want to be God's child. I want to escape going to hell. I want to be loved by this God. I want to experience everything that this God has. I want God. That's the exchange of that old heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And when the Holy Spirit is making that exchange, something happens on the inside of us. Our feelings, our desires begin to be changed from, eh, I don't care, it doesn't matter, to a yes, I want this, I want this. And so what is our response? It's to receive, John 1.13, to as many as what? Received to as many as embraced, to reciprocated that love with a love. I'm sure when Evelyn said yes to Bo, he hugged her, and I think she probably hugged him back. You see, that mutual work of Bo Mormon in loving Evelyn into his own love. He loved her by his love into his love so that she would be conformed to being loved by her husband. And when he does that, reaching out to embrace her, she embraces him. But had she stood there like this, then we know we have a problem. You see, our response to the news of the gospel is not what 
well, I better do this, I better do that, or what I have to do, anything. You have to respond, yes. But what is your response? It's a response of saying what? Yes, God is now throwing his arms of love around you by the Spirit. And if God has changed your heart, what are you going to do in response? Reciprocate. Have any of you guys ever hugged a girl? Have any of you not hugged a girl? And when you hugged her, what were you hoping that she would do? Hug you back. And that hugging back meant what? I'm receiving you. I'm receiving you. You see, that's what it is to receive Christ. That's what it is to place our faith in the Lord Jesus. It's not a work in the thing that I must do or a good deed. It is the response of a new heart that says yes to the one who loves me so much to give his life for me. And look at the benefits. The greatest benefit of all. There is therefore now no more condemnation for us who are in Christ. We're now the forgiven people of God. How forgiven? Finally, fully, and forever. We're now the children of God. We've now been adopted into God's family as his forever children. When we leave this earth... We are assured by the resurrection power of Jesus from the dead that we will go immediately into the presence of God himself and remain there forever and ever. And in this life, we have the ever-present person of the Holy Spirit who is continually, without ceasing, even when we are not doing really well in our behavior. Never, never, never ceasing to love us and to have mercy upon us. Never. Never. Always ministering to us. Always doing that which is good for us. Because he loves us. Now, listening to this tonight, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit has sufficiently warned us, and I think he has. And then I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is wooing some of you and winning some of you. You may not even be sure. I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. I'm not sure if I'm born again. I'm just not sure. Tonight, become sure. You may say, you know, I, I've been at Alpha all these weeks. And I'm not sure if I made the decision. I didn't. Whatever. Yeah. And if you are still hanging on to your old way of life and embracing the wrath of God for eternity, tonight is the Holy Spirit saying, come on. Come on. Come give me a hug. My arms are outstretched to you. I want to put them around you. Would you receive my love? See, that's what's happening. Will we receive by faith? Not hanging any, any evidence other than what we have in the word of God, the proof of the resurrection that God loves us, the giving of the Holy Spirit. Will you embrace Jesus tonight? Will you do that? We're going to pray. And as we pray, I believe the Holy Spirit desires
to quicken or make alive his work in you that is already stirring in your heart. And to finalize it, Bo knew that Evelyn loved him. But he had to finalize it, right? He had to finalize it. He loved her for a purpose to be married. God has made us the bride of Christ. So now Christ asks, will you marry me? And if your heart says, I really want this. I really want this. I need this. I really want this. I don't want to leave here tonight and not be sure I'm loved by my father. I'm a child of God. Don't want to depend on anything I've ever done, been, or said, anything else. I want to depend totally on the Holy Spirit's work because of what Jesus has done at the cross. Accomplished all the work. The Holy Spirit now applying it and making it real to me. Tonight, what we're asking is this. Frank and Annette are going to be up here in the front standing. We've done this in many alphas, 20 or so alphas. We've done this. And we're asking you to do this. If the Holy Spirit is wooing you and winning you tonight, and you know that from inside, you know what you want. I want this. Yes. Don't stay where you are. Come up and join Annette and Frank. Not that because you do that, you're saved. It gives Frank and Annette and you an opportunity, if you would, to have at, at a marriage ceremony the pastor to say, I pronounce you. Will you take him? Yes, yes. And I pronounce you. That's what's happening here. So pray. Everybody be praying. And I'm going to begin to ask. And we'll wait a few minutes. If tonight you are experiencing the wooing and the loving of God who loves you and who wants to give you eternal life and who wants to bless you and wants to free you of the authority of sin and the power of Satan over you. If you want that, just get up from where you are and come on down to be with Frank and Annette. You've been here enough to know that you can trust these two. So we'll wait a few minutes. If you're here wanting that and desiring that, that's God saying tonight, will you marry my son? Because my son has done everything necessary for your welfare, for your eternal life.